If you're affected by anything discussed on this podcast or you just want to talk, please reach out to someone for help and support. You can also reach out to Man Blues via email at manblues at gmx.com, at manbluesuk on Twitter, or find us on Mastodon by searching for at manblues. We're not qualified to help, but we can listen. Please don't suffer in silence. I'm Leon Deggs, and I have Man Blues. This week's episode is all about mortality. So what do I mean by mortality? Well, as my age wears on, as uh, inevitably everybody's age wears on, I'm starting to become more and more aware of just how much longer I have left. I've had people around me die at quite young ages, which is never a pleasant experience to go through, but it does make you more aware of your own mortality. However, when you're younger, you don't really think about yourself. You just think about, oh, they've died young. But as you get older, lots of people around you start to shuffle off and you think, hmm, it's going to be my turn at some point and what I'm going through here with this particular individual is going to be affecting my friends and family. And I start to think, well, what have I not done yet that I want to? Where have I not been? So the fear of death is called thanatophobia. But I'm wondering, am I scared of it? Personally, I don't think I am. I think I'm more worried about having the right things in place because it can often catch us unawares. And I know that there's this concept out there of a bucket list because it was popularized by that film with uh, Morgan Freeman and Jack Nicholson. And the idea is a sound one. I do 100% agree with it, but controversially, I refuse to write a bucket list. And the reason I personally refuse to write one is because I believe it then becomes an albatross around your neck. Because if you've got unfinished things on your list that you want to do, you're going to be putting yourself under pressure to do them. Moreover, it can be stifling if the things on your list are things which are only achievable with great or greater wealth. I mean, we all might want to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, but it requires a lot of effort and investment to get there. And also, if you're already incredibly overweight and struggling with your fitness, something like that is going to be out of your reach. It may have been on your bucket list, or it may have been your intention for many, many years, but then you've just reached a point bodily where you cannot do it. So if you've got that on the list and you think, yeah, that's what I want to do, you've got to do it while you can. For example, my wife wants to do the pilgrimage or the trail and trek to the mountains of Petra. And that is, as we are led to believe, an undertaking. It's not something to be taken lightly. You need to be of a relative amount of fitness. You need to be able to cope in that kind of heat and that kind of environment. The older we get, the less that is going to be so. And of course, the thing with that is, is that if it's on the list and you now are unable to do it because of an ankle fracture or a wobbly knee or you know anything wrong with the hip, anything physical that's going to prevent you from doing something physical, it's going to weigh on you. It's going to burden you, which is why I don't set a lot of store by these bucket lists. Yes, it can be a nice idea to have things on there because it can be a kind of like a looking forward to list. I'm looking forward to doing these things and so on. Great. But I look at it more from the perspective of there's something else I've not done. It's because I'm when it comes down to lists and, and I've mentioned before on uh, some podcast episodes, 
I have a very binary brain, it's all ones and zeros. Is that done yet? No. Is that done yet? No. Is that done yet? Yes. Once it hits the yes, it's been done, it drops out of my brain and I can no longer remember it. And that's fine by me because that works really, really well for me when I'm working. It's also very good for me in private as well, you know, that thing needs to be done, have I done that yet? Have I paid that bill? Yes, I have, great, don't worry about it anymore. But what I find is, if I was to put something on a bucket list like, I don't know, have a holiday to Tokyo, it would play on my mind all the time that I've not yet been to Tokyo. And that would give me less peace than just thinking, oh yeah, Tokyo might be nice, if you see what I mean. So, when I was turning 20, I didn't feel as though being 20 was scary or daunting. I took lots of risks and lots of chances. I mean, the biggest example I've got for that is when I finished university, I think about three weeks afterwards, even before I got my results, I was in my car driving from where I lived in Northern England down to the south of England, took a ferry over to Germany. The morning I arrived in Germany in Hamburg, I had a job interview. So I parked up my car in their car park, went in for a job interview, left my details with them, got in the car and headed off to go and meet a friend. Now the weird thing is this was back in 1998, so there were no mobile phones, there was no way for them to contact me other than me giving them a landline number. I mean those are risks, right? Just jumping in your car and driving to a different country and getting a job interview and then thinking, I want to make a go of it. Now when you're young and you're dumb like that, It doesn't seem daunting, you don't even think of it as being a thing. Yet when you reflect on it and you look back and you just think, my God, it was crazy that I literally just threw everything I owned in the car and just drove until I arrived at my friend's house and tried to make a go of it. Now, four years later, I was putting all my stuff back in the car and I was driving back to the UK because that was me done in Germany. I'd spent four years there and I'd enjoyed myself very much. I made a lot of friends, my language was perfect. You know, my wife and I were then getting together. We'd had a great time, but it was time to come back to the UK and try something different. No regrets whatsoever. Then when I was turning 30, I was becoming a dad. I was starting to get settled into work and settled into family life and things were starting to feel more comfortable around me. And they tend to do. And recently I was asked this question by someone at work who's just turned 30 and um, she was sort of saying when she turned 30, she felt A, B, C, X, Y, Z. And she said to you know, me and another chap as we're slightly older, she said, what did it feel like when you turned 40? And I said, actually, turning 30 was more pressurizing than turning 40. Because when you turn 30, you kind of take stock of where you are. You look around yourself and you think, is this me now? Is this where I am? Am I living in this house for the rest of my life? Am I doing this job for the next 20 years? Am I going to be around these people all this time? Is this what my family is going to be like? Is this what I'm aiming for? Is this what I'm trying to achieve? When I turned 40, I was like, you know what? I'm really comfortable, I'm really happy where we are, things are progressing well with the job, things are progressing well with the family, everything that I wanted on my little to-do list is all being put in place, I'm quite happy, I'm quite comfortable. And as I approach 50, thank you for saying I don't look 50, but as I approach 50, I look at it and I just think, yeah, how long have I got left? And that, to me, is way more damaging than any of the other thoughts I've had at any of the other decades as they've gone past. And the reason for that is because I know people who've died in their early 50s. My father died when he was 62. That is no age. Now, in my father's case, as I explained in the episode about him in the podcast, he abused his body in quite significant ways. He was a smoker and he was a drinker. So, of course, he's not going to have a long life. 
And the thing is, when I turn 50, my thoughts are going to funerals. Have I got a funeral plan in place? Do I need a funeral plan? As I say, these people that I knew, they died younger because they had poor diet and health issues and things like that, but not necessarily. You know, it's not always a health issue or a poor diet or something like that. Sometimes something just happens. You know, something just pops in the body and that's it. You're gone and you can't do anything about it. I also know a few people who've committed suicide and, you know, there is no factoring that in. But I am thinking about contacting my GP as my 50th birthday approaches because there is something called a well-man test. I don't know what it is, but basically they will do some tests, you know, maybe take some blood, maybe do some weight and height and other bits and pieces and just check whether there's anything just bubbling under that we don't quite know what it might be. I mean, just yesterday before recording this episode, I actually had a, a sort of an abdominal pain that stayed with me for most of the day. Now, I knew it was just because I needed to poop, but I pooped already five or six times that day. So, of course, when you get... and I, I know, that's an insane number of times to poop. I get that. And I really, really didn't want to Google what it means when you poop that many times in one day because I guarantee you one of those links says bowel cancer. But it would also be remiss of me not to research it. Anywho, story is, we went out for a walk, my wife and I. We went to the local pub. We had a meal. The whole way through the meal, I'm sitting there and I'm feeling this terrible pain. It wasn't kind of crippling, but it was pain. It was background pain. Walking home and I was thinking, I really need to go to the toilet, but hopefully it's not going to just be a little bit. It's going to be whatever. Got on the toilet and whatever was in there came out and I felt an awful lot better. But those are the sort of things that I'm thinking... I need to get to the GP, I need to get these well-man tests, I need to basically say to them, look, I'm turning 50 this year, please give me a once-over. Just find out if there's anything going on inside that we can fix now before it becomes too serious. I've already kind of joked, semi-joked, been semi-serious with my wife about the fact that I think her life is going to be a prolonged sort of... She's going to get things going wrong with her, her body's going to start breaking down in different ways... And she's going to have a a slow kind of, I don't want to say agonizing, but she's going to have a slower sort of death than I am. I've always joked that mine's going to be click, bang, gone. Not because of any reasons to do with health or anything like that, but just because I don't seem to have ever really been ill with anything. So when I do get ill, that one thing I'm going to get is just going to be big. It's going to be like whatever's happening in my body, I'm just going to have a big bang and it's going to happen. These are the sort of things that are on my mind. This is why my mortality is affecting my man blues because I can't kind of get over it. I can't step away from the fact that most mornings I wake up and I go, ah, good, another day. But do I need to be putting the funeral plan in place? Do I need to be looking into that? At what age should I consider it? What kind of funeral do I want? And I'm going into that level of granular detail. What kind of funeral do I want? Because I've already said, you know, people have choices. I'd like this particular song at my funeral. I'd like to be in this particular sort of style of service. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, I'm not particularly religious, so I'm I'm not interested in any of that. I don't really have a desire to thrust any of my favourite songs on people as I'm, you know, as they're sort of mourning me going. And I just think it feels a bit strange to be thinking about that when I'm not even 50 yet. But there's also the element of it where I think, well, I really should be thinking about this because it is important. So what's my problem? Well, as time marches on... It, it becomes harder to come to terms with the fact that there are going to be things that I won't see. Because, as I say, my dad died when I was nine. He was 62 years old. I mean, I've already discussed on a different episode that my dad was an old man. But think of the things that I've done that he never saw. 
you know, I was nine when he died, so he hasn't seen any of the, anything that's happened in my life since. And what's impressive between zero and nine? Not much. Most of the impressive things children do happens after that. My mother died in 2016, so she's not going to witness some of the things that my son will do. She never saw him graduate school. She never saw him graduate his college. She's not going to see him go to university. She's not going to see a great-grandchild. It's gone. That opportunity's gone. She's not here anymore. So what am I not going to witness? What's going to happen that I'm going to miss? It's not FOMO, because you can't have FOMO when you're dead. That's just not possible. But it does weigh on me. It does weigh on me, but I do try to stay positive and pragmatic about it. Speaking of which, as a beautiful segue, and also look that word up because it's spelt so beautifully, a segue into the positivity of this particular episode. I found a website that says how to finally accept death and cope with your mortality. Okay, so I'm going to read through these points and then I'm going to pick them up later because, well, you'll see. So number one, come to terms with the feelings of loss. Number two, have open conversations. As I say, my wife doesn't want to talk about this, but I feel we must. Uh, Number three is to figure out your life's purpose. Number four, make amends with those you love. Number five is to live through your bucket list. Number six is plan accordingly to ease your fears. Number seven, trust in your faith. Number eight, simplify your life. And number nine is to make peace with your past. Now, I don't feel that any of that is actually going to help with anything, personally. I know this is all very much subjective, it's all coming from Man Blues to you, the listener, and I'm telling you, I don't hold much store with that. It might work for you, which is why I've still included the URL in the blurb for this episode. However, dealing with each one of these points one by one, I don't have an issue with loss. I'm already talking openly. My life's purpose was determined years ago, because it was. There's no toing or throwing about any of that. My life's purpose was determined years ago. Bucket list, I've already covered that. Plan accordingly to ease your fear. Plan, plan for what? I don't know what they mean. Plan for what? Is that suggesting that I put a funeral plan in place so I'm feeling less anxious about it? Okay. I don't have a faith, I'm not religious, so I can't trust in that. My life isn't complex. So I've got nothing to simplify. And I'm also not at odds with my past. As I say, the URL's in the blurb if you want to have a read of it. But I feel that this is leaning more towards helping people who are aimless and without focus. So I kept digging. I found another one called Death Anxiety. Nine ways to overcome your fear of death. Again, these URLs are all clickable in the blurb for this episode. Number one, exercise. Two, meditation. Three, talk therapy and support, four, change your habits, five, learn to spot when you're getting anxious, six, exposure therapy, seven, seek professional support, eight, get therapy, and nine is consider medication. Now, all of those are more, for me, about dealing with anxiety, not specifically dealing with the fear of death. I'm not entirely sure how exposure therapy works when you've got a fear of death. Are you supposed to be then standing around dead people? I don't know. I don't know. Hence the clickable link in the blurb. And then I also found eight healthy coping skills for death anxiety. 
Number one is create meaning. Number two, a shift in priorities. Number three is authentic being. So this is authenticity is the feeling that one is being one's true self. Four, generativity. This is describing an adult's motivation to invest in the well-being of the younger generation, which is kind of understandable if you've got kids. Five, an attitude of acceptance. Six, a cognitive behavioral approach. Seven, exposure therapy. That's come up again. And eight, that you matter to others. Now, the exposure therapy, I would really love to understand how that works because I don't think I'm afraid of death. I'm just afraid of not being ready for it. That's my different take on this. So this one feels like it's been a bit of an aimless ramble and I do apologize for that. But I'm Leon Deggs and although I won't be around forever, it has been a great ride up to this point. Thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.